In episode 17 of the Well-Led Schools podcast, I'm joined by recruiting coach and career wellbeing expert, Deb Houston. We are chatting about ways to keep your career wellbeing flourishing and supporting our staff to do the same. Stay tuned. Welcome to Well-Led Schools with Adrienne Hornby. On this podcast, we talk about all things staff wellbeing, school culture, and leadership. Join me for incredible and rich conversations with a range of experts who will give you tips, tricks, and inspiration to best support the well-being of the staff in your school and yourself. I'm your host, Adrienne Hornby, a health and well-being consultant and former school leader. I partner with schools across Australia to tailor and embed staff wellbeing action plans aimed at addressing staff burnout and building positive working environments. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 17 of the World-Led Schools podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Deb Houston, and we'll be chatting all about career well-being, including how to know if your career well-being is thriving, the role of values and setting boundaries in order to achieve improved occupational well-being, signs that you may not be satisfied in your current role, and advice for leaders looking to support their employees' career well-being. Our guest, Deb, is a recruiting coach and works with both employees and employers to help them find the best match for their goals. In the episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about her approach, which I find quite interesting, particularly because she encourages hiring managers and employees to go deeper beyond the job description or the obvious desire to land a position with a great salary. But that could be a whole episode in and of itself. So in particular, in today's episode, we're only going to be able to cover some aspects of her holistic approach to recruiting. So why is career or occupational well-being so important? Well, considering that we spend about one third of our, our adult lives working, it really is important that that time feels well spent and aligned with what makes us feel fulfilled and purposeful. Career well-being can look different for each of us, and in this episode, we'll explore a bit about how our individual values are tied to that. Career well-being also impacts and intermingles with many of the other dimensions of our well-being. For example, a great-paying job may boost your financial wellness, and a stressful job may negatively impact your physical or emotional well-being. But if it's great paying and you have the right coping strategies to manage the stress, that may all balance itself out. If you followed me for a while or worked with me in the past, then you know that a focus on employee and staff well-being and managing burnout as well as preventing it is the key to feeling engaged and motivated at work. In this episode, we'll also cover some of the signs that you might be unsatisfied with your current career path or role and practical advice for leaders who want to support staff struggling with their career well-being. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get started. This episode is brought to you by our signature Well-Led Schools Partnerships, 
a 12-month program that brings leaders and staff together to create a shared vision for their school and empowers them to create an action plan that leads to needle-moving changes in school culture and morale. Doors to our partnerships open only once per term. Stay updated on program openings and sign up for the waitlist at adriannehornby.com.au forward slash school hyphen partnerships. Oh, my kindred spirit, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. So for my audience listening, Deb and I met at a business retreat and connected instantly. So I'm so glad to have you on and to chat all things career well-being as well as hiring amazing no thank you so much to have me as well I'm excited oh so the the first question I like to ask everybody who comes on my show Deb is what's one thing you like to do to look after and support your own health or well-being great question I'd be shocked if you didn't ask this given what <laughs> Um, so when it comes to my well-being, rather than having kind of a tick list of things that I do, I've kind of created a little bit of a like a rule that I live by. So for me, it's been all around setting boundaries, like creating really firm boundaries. But then those boundaries are congruent with my values. So it's all about ensuring that I lead everything around my values, because when those are out of alignment, that's when I find that my own health and well-being is affected so but yeah things like I obviously love eating healthy I have to get out in nature like if I don't see the beach or the sea for a couple of weeks I start to go a bit stir crazy it's like my thinking place um and also as well like really listen tuning into my body and listening like if I'm starting to get tired and run down then just really taking the time um and also as well just completely taking time to switch off I love turning my phone on aeroplane mode or switching it off because then if you pick it up accidentally out of habit, you can't get distracted. <laughs> that is such a clever way to do it. Yeah, I tend to um delete apps sometimes yeah. and then I'll go to find them and I'm like, oh, that's right. You're not <laughs> meant to be on that one. <laughs> it's easily done, isn't it? We get involved in like, I call it a scroll hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you go up Instagram and before you know it, you've lost like two hours of your life. <laughs> what <about> it? <laughs> I know. I think I ended up once putting the apps I didn't want to look at too much in a folder, like five swipes all the way (laughs) at the end of the home screen. And that is setting boundaries. And it's so important, as you said, to in order to be able to actually set boundaries, you have to identify your values. And yeah. working one-on-one with clients, that's that's what we were doing really early on. Uh, but we, I also do that with schools too. Like you, you, you can't actually form a culture or an understanding of who you all are and what you're all working towards if you don't have some kind of shared values. So 100%. so important. So important. Yeah. And it helps you to be able to sort of weed things out too that, might be a waste of your time, i.e. the scroll hole. (laughs) Absolutely. And whether I'm talking about careers or whether I'm talking about hiring, interestingly, values come as a big part of conversation on both sides. Yeah. Um, Because I think as well you can be aligned in values but also display them differently. Yeah. So my favourite example is you can be aligned, like, for example, in the office or in the school, you can both be aligned in terms of having strong family values. But one person's way of displaying that value could be 
working 60 hours a week because they want to provide for their family. Whereas somebody else's way of displaying that value could be, I'm out of here five o'clock on the dock because I've got a family to get home to I want to spend time with. Yeah. So having those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. All right, Deb, I'd love you to tell the audience a little about a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your journey to where you are today. Okay, so um, obviously I'm Deb. Um, I was my story is I was a recruiter for 17 years. <laughs> um, started back in the UK and been recruiting over here in Australia for about the last 12 years. And about two years ago, my journey is I personally hit burnout. I hit a wall and in order to, to, I suppose, look after my own mental health and well-being, I made this really hard decision that I needed to change and make a move from my highly successful corporate career. And um, I've always been entrepreneurial. I always knew I wanted to be my own boss and the time just felt right that it was the now. Um, I didn't want to have my own recruitment agency. But having spent 17 years managing interview and hiring processes, I saw firsthand like all of these mistakes that companies were making that would damage their reputation and brand or would affect them hiring top talent or they just didn't have the skills or know what they were doing. And on the flip side, I saw the mistakes candidates were making in their job searching processes. Um, so I designed a business that basically spoke to those problem areas. So um, I created Flox Consulting. So initially, it had two focuses. The first focus was career coaching, job search strategy. And then the second focus was basically consulting and educating organizations on how to hire the right staff for their business whilst avoiding those costly mistakes. Mm. And I know that today our conversation is mostly around that career side of things and the career well-being in particular, but I just wanted to let our audience know that I've been hassling Deb um, for a while now to to get her on and I will. It will be a great follow-up episode on this around hiring strategy and we'll, we'll touch very briefly on it today, but in particular how we can hire to build, protect, uh, bolster our school culture because, you know, we'll be starting to think about that. We're going into term two now, but coming into term three. Uh, so it will be a great episode for for us as leaders in particular to, to tune into. So watch this space <laughs> in regards to that. Right, this podcast series has been specifically focused around the multiple dimensions of our well-being. So these eight different codependent dimensions include emotional, physical, career, social, spiritual, intellectual, environmental, and financial well-being. Ah. So while today we're going to be mostly focusing on career well-being, as I alluded to before, it, as I said, it is important to remember that a lot of them are codependent. So our career well-being has the ability to affect our physical or our emotional well-being, as well as our social well-being too. So um, it's really important to discern that they are quite codependent. So fr- from my perspective and the work that I've been doing I define career or occupational wellness as being satisfied with our jobs and our career paths and finding fulfillment uh, in other aspects of our lives. But it's also about being involved in work that provides satisfaction and is aligned with our values and our goals in life. So uh, Deb, 
uh, nodded to that before. Now, our career wellness requires us to be involved in work activities that allow demonstration of our skills, but also pursuing opportunities to reach greater heights professionally. Deb, I'm really keen to hear what would you consider to be components of somebody with a thriving sense of career well-being? And is the definition that I put forward, do you go, oh, actually, I don't think that, and I think this needs to be inserted <laughs> that? <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, I think it speaks well to it. I think, you know, somebody who's got a thriving sense of career well-being, you know, you can just tell that they're really happy, um, you know, in what they're doing at work. And I totally agree that all the different aspects of our lives can come together to affect each other because you can be in a really strong, stable relationship and a happy home life. But if you're hating life at work and things are out of alignment, it is going to affect um, your relationship, it might affect the money that you earn, which also impacts all certain things. So I'm completely in agreement that they all link in with each other. I think for me, somebody who's really got a strong sense of career well-being is they display that they're happy. You can tell that they're enjoying what they're doing. They have goals and aspirations, but they understand what the plan is and the right steps to get there. Like they're not killing themselves in the process. You know, they're happy getting there in their own in their own pace. Um, I think boundaries, those that have got strong, thriving career well-being have got strong boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. So, and they know how to speak up confidently, not abruptly, when those boundaries are being crossed. And I think that's really important. And I think that's where a lot of, unhealthy career behaviors start because people don't know how to set those boundaries or how to speak up if people overstep the mark and I think they don't people please um you know they know what their goals are and you know I said they they're they're confident in themselves to say yes or no um I think they lead with purpose um you know they're doing things because they want to and they're aligned with it not because they have to or they're forced to um, and yeah, I think they've got a healthy work-life balance. I think that's what a lot of us strive. That's for me, thriving well-being, career well-being is a well-defined definition, yeah, of work-life balance. You enjoy being at work, but it doesn't consume you. It's not your life. You have a life outside of work. Yeah. So basically love what they do, but they're not tied to their job. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm really feeling for some of the leaders who are listening today because I've been in that position before. Sometimes you feel, yeah, so tied uh, to your role, and I know many uh, educators feel that same way too. Like they have to be doing it because it is quite a purpose driven profession. Mm-hmm. That almost that is the thing that gets in the way, rather than us actually feeling connected to our roles and enjoying what we're doing. And the other thing that I was thinking about as you were talking, and Deb was. Sometimes people uh, almost feel tethered to their job for the connection it has to their finances and their financial well-being, like they stay in it because they need the money versus finding a way to connect with and love and enjoy their role and their career path and, and as you said, where they're going and, and their alignment with their business or organisation or school. Uh, so it, 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 it's funny, um, it, it's really important for us to consider what it actually means to have that sense, thriving sense of career well-being. We don't have to just be successful in our role. It's do we feel happy within it as well? And also as well, define success. 
mm-hmm. maybe success in your role is feeling happy. Mm-hmm. People are motivated by different things, bringing it back to the values thing again. So I think it's also defining what success is for you mm-hmm. and, you know, what your version of success is, is going to be different to somebody else's. So, Absolutely. Yeah. What are some common signs that you might see in clients who come to you, which might indicate that they, that they might not be so satisfied with their mm-hmm. career or the role or the position that they're in? So common traits that I tend to see across the board, and I've seen this in colleagues um, and, you know, in my recruitment career, many people that I've interviewed, um, definitely they're disengaged or they appear disengaged, definitely not as enthusiastic as what they have been. Um, Attendance seems to, absence increases, like either they're um, you know, using up all of their annual leave really quickly or sick days increase. And I think as well, when you're approaching burnout, you do feel ill more. So that can impact it as well. Um, we've got refusing to go above and beyond the job as usual, which brings us into that whole topic of quiet quitting. That's a buzzword at the moment. And there's so many different layers to quiet quitting. Um, they would, they could appear bored, like bored and agitated. And depending on where they're at in that dissatisfaction stage, there could also be signs of burnout, depression, anxiety, depending on the reasons that are keeping them in the job or stopping them leaving. Um, And also as well, performance may drop because if they're not applying themselves or putting as much energy in as they would have done, then naturally performance levels might not be where they have been previously. Yeah, it's like all of the above for some stuff sometimes, isn't it? And, you know, when I run the staff wellbeing surveys, what I'm looking for are key indicators across all staff, but uh, you might find it in pockets of different staff across the school, is not just are you satisfied with your career. It's, yeah, those 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 mentions of stress levels, burnout, but also what they score for engagement, mm-hmm. um, for endorsement of the school. Um, it's looking at things like connections with others and whether they feel understood by their colleagues and by their leaders. So you can really quickly begin to see that there are um, multiple symptoms or signs of somebody who might be at risk of this disconnection with where they're at in, in, in their career and that they might need some support to either reconnect with it um, or find a different role potentially in the school for them to be able to move towards as well and how we can support them exactly and I think this is something that I really promote as well is that just because somebody's outgrown the role that they're in the the only solution is not just them exiting and going to work (laughs) you know like make us good leaders does it yeah and you know going back to the values thing our values change over time so you know if their values have been realigned and they've now got new priorities maybe there's a different role they could excel in within your organization so you don't lose them to a competitor or, you know, lose that talent elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, particularly if you can reflect back on when you might have felt like they were more engaged or performing better by your standards. You know, what's been the change and Mm. how can we get them back to that state? Maybe asking (laughs) asking them might be a good first step. As you said, it's probably a real waste of your resources, time, energy, all of those things to, to totally have to rehire new staff every every few years rather than being strategic. 
Exactly. It's expensive to hire staff. When you look at the costs of actually advertising, the time taken out of people's days, interviewing, screening, sourcing, then we've got the actual salary piece, that loss and the gain. Um, And then also you've got the onboarding and the training. So I think it's like um, losing an employee can sometimes be like 200% the cost of the original it's yeah, yeah the, the 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 stats are huge in how much it costs a business overall when you think of all the tangible stuff mm-hmm. yeah and then you and the can extra, impact the client yeah and then <laughs> you've got the extra in the extra workload on colleagues whilst that position's vacant so that impacts on well-being because they're all taking on extra roles or the the leader is doing two jobs mm-hmm. um so yeah when you add in the intangible and the tangible the costs are huge yeah Yeah. And, you know, this probably leads into one of the questions that I wanted to ask you a little bit further down, but I'm going to jump into it now because I think it's a nice flow on. Um, You now more specifically work as a hiring strategist nowadays, as opposed to in that career coaching realm. But what does this actually entail and, and how at the end of the day, does this support the culture of a workplace? So you've started to talk there about um, I'm I'm assuming working with organizations and 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 businesses and and leaders to be able to be more creative about the the people that they have. But um how else do you support them in that process? So basically a hiring strategist. So the difference between a hiring strategist and a recruiter is a recruiter will form part of your talent acquisition strategy and they just provide talent for you to mm-hmm you whereas a hiring strategist comes into your business and gets like a holistic view of your hiring strategy your messaging your um, processes um you know how you're advertising and things like that and your employer branding and then look at the metrics and will provide consultation and solutions of how you can make it more successful and efficient mm-hmm. um, and then from there um, for example, myself, I run workshops as well to upskill people on things like overcoming unconscious bias um, or, you know, how to brand yourself as an employer of choice um, and then, you know, how to interview to find the right people. And interestingly, it has such a close, it's so closely linked with culture because it's a bit like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Mm. Like you need a good culture to attract the best people. But if you don't hire the right people, that can impact your culture. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a real kind of balance of having to know what your culture is and ultimately know how to describe it so that you can actually hire for it. So, yeah, hiring and culture come hand in hand. Mm. Yeah. And in schools, the hiring process can look very different dependent on the position. So a lot of the time, you know, it's sort of panel led and you have a big process towards the end of the year to sort of bring people in. But, uh, you know, I know even from when we've been hiring at school, you put together this role description of the person that you're looking for. But I really don't think a lot of the time we consider how they'll actually fit in Mm. and add to and complement the team and the culture of the school, uh, we might only be looking at their strengths in the position or the role, but not thinking big picture. Mm. And if we want to go even bigger picture than that, 
any recruitment process is a branding and marketing exercise. So from everything from the language that you utilize in your job advert, the strategy, how you make people feel through the process is an indication of your culture and how you treat people coming into your business is an indication how you treat people in the business. Um, And it really can make or break your reputation in the market. So you've got that piece, but then, yeah, you've got this, cookie cutter approach that I think some people take with hiring, but it all comes down to who is ever taught how to hire. Unless you've been an industry veteran like me, who's interviewed and been taught how to interview and taught how to hire, how would you know how to recruit? That's right. Yeah. And you only do it once a year generally for the yeah. for the big part of it. And you'd yeah, it's not something yeah. that's just ingrained in your know-how. And we get so obsessed with the candidate must have XYZ experience and XYZ skills that we miss the behaviours. Um, you know, and it's the behaviours that show us if they're going to be a culture fit. Are they going to fit in with the team? You know, am I going to be able to work with them? Are they going to be easy to lead, et cetera? Um, Again, what's their values? It's all this kind of thing as well. Like you can't teach people attitude, but you can teach them skill. So I think, yeah, there's there's definitely a holistic approach to hiring. And again, it's about you being able to sell that opportunity to the candidate. It's not just about what you want. Mm -hmm. How do you align with that person's career goals and aspirations? It needs to be an even heel. Yeah, it needs to be a match. Yeah, and as I was saying at the beginning of this episode, this needs to be a whole episode in itself and for Deb to step through exactly what her process is, is in supporting an organisation, a business or a group of leaders to be able to do this. And from what I'm understanding of what you're saying, there's the groundwork that has to be done first, Deb, for that mm-hmm. process to be successful rather than this is just the questions you ask and how you run a panel. It's that journey of self-discovery of yeah what your culture is and what it stands for and and where you're going and what it is that you're actually looking for in order to be able to attract Mm -hmm. and retain and it will have that flow on to the rest of the success in the school as well absolutely all right so I'll just quickly jump back to the question that I was going to ask you before that we'll come back to that sense of career (laughs) well-being how do you support your career coaching clients to tend to their career well-being and reach their career or occupational goals Mm -hmm. so um all of the support that I give from the career coaching perspective it's all bespoke so my um Yeah, it's all devised around what that individual needs and what their goals are. But, you know, if we're talking about well-being and those career from that perspective, um, you know, if I've got, I do get quite a few people that come to me that are in panic mode. They just want out of their current roles. They're just, they're, they're having panic attacks or, you know, they're really stressed and they just can't feel like they can't go on. Um, so, you know, I've even had people in floods of tears, like wanting to resign the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so in those kind of scenarios, the first thing I do is kind of like a bit of a Band-Aid in terms of looking at those values. You know, what's out of alignment? Because we need to understand what's not working in this role to ensure that we don't go frying pan fire and make that same kind of decision with the next company or the next role, etc. So it's all about helping them set boundaries and understanding where those gaps are against their career values and personal values. 
and then how that aligns with their career goals and aspirations. And from there, in terms of helping them achieve their goals, I love reverse engineering. So we all we look at the big future goal. And then we will work backwards and set a plan to help you get there. Mm -hmm. And it's all devised around how much time you want to dedicate to your career, how fast you want to achieve these goals or how slow. That's fine. Everybody's different. But it's about creating a plan and a strategy that is aligned with you and what you're looking to achieve. But, yeah, I'm really big on setting boundaries. Um, I will openly say I didn't have boundaries in my career when I was younger And as I got older and I set those firm boundaries, my career really kind of took off. And yeah, so that's what I help other people do is find that alignment. Yeah. And it's, it's, it sounds like there's two different things that can happen when it comes to where we're at in our career. Like, oh my gosh, this career or this role I'm in really doesn't feel like me and it's making me super stressed and anxious. And then there's those people who want to progress in their career but aren't actually sure of how to fill the gaps or build on their strengths or, um, you know, build those parts of themselves that are necessary in order to be able to climb to where it is, wherever it is that they want to go, Um, which is, you know, it's important to have somebody to support that because unless you have a deep level of internal and external self-awareness that that process would be really hard on your own so working with somebody to coach that with you is Mm. would be so valuable I always used to say as well that I was more of a career mentor as a career coach because a career coach just asks you questions. Yeah, I agree. I like I like being a mentor more than a coach. Yeah, more of a mentor and advisor because yeah. I actively help people get to where they want to be. I don't mm. just ask thought-provoking questions to help them make the decision of what they need to do. So I'm much more involved in in helping those happen. Um, yeah, and de- de- like creating the steps and the plan to help them get there. Um, providing ideas and stuff but I always say you are in the driving seat of your own career journey and it's up to you which direction you go in and what gear you go in so it's not a race you've got to set as long as you've got goals and a plan to get there and you know what steps you need to take as long as you're making small actions maybe at least once a month and you're keeping the journey going forwards you're going to get there Mm. absolutely yeah Deb, I know you've only got three minutes. I've got the last big question to ask you and then the, the quick rapid fire last three. Do you want to, if we can finish it off later because I'm mindful that I don't want you to rush into your next appointment so we can. Which question are you going to ask next? So I was going to ask next um, the question for the leaders on mentors. So that would flow in nicely to what you were just talking about. What are some easy to action advice or guidance that we could offer? Yeah. Do you want to do that? And then, yep. um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so this leads beautifully actually into my next question. So this is more for our leaders and mentors in the education space. Deb, what are some easy to action advice or guidance that we could offer to our staff or even a colleague who has expressed concerns about their career well-being? So they might seem less engaged, as you were saying, with the work that they do, or they've expressed that they might even be considering leaving the profession altogether. Yeah. So um, my advice on how to deal with this is 
talk to that person, take them for a coffee, create a safe space and let them know that it's it's a safe environment for them to talk freely. Um, you know, not all employees feel confident in coming forward and speaking up how they're feeling. So just by showing that care and concern and checking in and genuinely asking, how are you? And um, I mean, I think over the last couple of years, leaders should be taking that approach as well. It's not always just about job performance. It's genuinely about how are you? Ask how their children are, ask how their partner is, ask how their hobbies go in, um, you know, and just really taking that time to show you care. And I think we've touched upon this earlier, which I think is perfectly aligned with what I always say with here as well, is that people's values change and their goals change. So your employee may be feeling disengaged because something's shifted in their life. And, you know, this job is no longer congruent with their personal values or their career values. So check in as well and see what's changed. Is everything the same? Um, And I think, don't I think don't be quick to offer a solution. Listen to them and properly listen and absorb and hear them. Empathize and hear. Um, and then ask them, what can I do to support you? And you know, what do you need from me? Actually ask them outright what they need and what they'd like the the outcome to be. And then from there you can go away, think about it, and then come back and discuss some apps actionable steps. And it might be that you recommend they take a couple of weeks off because they look burnt out and tired and you're concerned about them. Um, it might be that, you know, you person wants to leave and you agree to support them in their next um, career transition. Um, so it's an open communication. It might be looking at how you can adapt them and utilize their skills elsewhere in the business. Um, but yeah, it's all about just letting them speak and having a safe space and making them feel comfortable. Um, because I think there's a little bit of, I was talking to someone else who's a burnout expert recently, and they were explaining to me that burnout and career well-being there's a lot of pride attached to it mm-hmm. and people can feel shame or embarrassed if they're not enjoying their job mm-hmm. <laughs> um so it's also you know there's lots of different cultures um where you know fear of failure comes in and all stuff like that there's so many different layers to it so just let that person speak and give them a safe space to open up I and mean, that's the best way to address any situation whether you're concerned about someone's personal welfare and welfare or, you know, career well-being, um, that's definitely the best place to start. And that's how I start with my career coaching clients is understanding how they're feeling and, you know, what they need. And then we set a plan from there. Oh, from there. And it's such a beautiful summation of all of those main points that you touched on in today's conversation. And I love that notion and that reminder to focus on creating those conditions for well-being including building those relationships with our staff because our conversations with them can seem a bit robotic at times. But if we have that connection and that sense of belonging, it's much easier to then be able to actually diagnose what is going on for them uh, in a way that's non-invasive, but also to problem solve with them 
what exactly what you said, what it is that they need, what barriers do we need to support them in removing, yeah. um, you know, what are some possible opportunities for them rather mm-hmm. than just writing them off as difficult or, yeah. or you know, they're done, they just need, I, I hear it a lot, they just need to go somebody else, it'll, somewhere else, it'll be really good for them. I'm just looking for some new people to come in. I'm like, I, that really isn't yeah. the answer to our problems. I know, and I think as well, um, a different way to look at it, and it can be a harsh reality, is maybe the problem is you. And when I say you, I mean the organisation. <laughs> so this is why it needs to be a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't say to somebody, don't word it in a way that this is safe and a confidential environment, and then go running off to your executive leader and putting in a plan of action to exit this person from the business that's not what this is about if it's a safe space it's a safe space but just be prepared that the problem might be the organization you know maybe you have a toxic culture maybe there isn't an open line of communication maybe there's a blame culture and that's what's making this person unhappy there are so many different outcomes (laughs) that it could be and you've just got to be prepared yeah Yeah, or a certain group of staff or a style of personality might not be gelling with us so it might be working for the majority of staff but there is a group who we're not communicating connecting with and you know really getting that that the school direction and and our plan our strategic plan across to them where it lands um so we might need to do a little bit of work in that area and tend to our leadership it's I I think again I can't wait to talk about this in another big episode (laughs) Deb because it's so important for our leaders to listen uh, to these great tips yeah it's a huge topic I could talk all day about it I know (laughs) me too I was like nodding like we're not you're not going to see any video to this but I was nodding so much as as Deb was making that last point it's it's important for us. Yes, the problem isn't always in our staff. It might sometimes, sometimes be with us as well. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up to uh, today, Deb, we see a number of quotes circulating on social media showcasing some thought-provoking or inspiring quotes from thought leaders across the globe and throughout time. If a quote was circulating from you on the topic of health, well-being or leadership, what would it say? Um, so there is one that um, I've utilised for the last couple of years, and I actually think it's perfectly suited to what we're talking about today. But um, about 18 months ago, I came up with the quote that says, your career or job title does not define you. Your purpose, actions and values do. And I think that talks perfectly to the career side, because like you are not your job. You are not your career that does not define you. Do not let that affect your decisions. Um, and also from a leadership perspective, um, you know, your job title does not give you power. You know, it's a privilege, you know, it's it's a privilege and leadership should come from a place of, you know, wanting to help people grow and actually wanting to, you know, help people achieve their goals and aspirations. So I think that that quote that I use speaks to both sides in, in this in this occasion. It does, and it perfectly, again, wraps up everything that you so beautifully talked about today. So thank you so much for coming on, Deb. Where can our audience find and connect with you if they're looking for career or hiring strategy support? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn um, as Deb Houston. I'm I'm at quite active on there. I've actually got my own podcast, um, which is You Hired Me at Hello. <laughs> it's more, it's more, that's more focused around business leaders, HR professionals, etc. Um, and also my web my website, so flocks-consulting.com.au, yeah. um, which details the two different areas that I support. So. And I'll link all of those in the show notes for those listening but the podcast is an excellent way for you to tune into and begin to develop your ideas and skills around hiring uh, particularly as we were saying when we only sort of come around to it once in a year for our school leaders um, could be something for you to dabble in now and again we will have Deb back on the show to talk more about hiring for culture and 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 building that culture of well-being and um, really promoting our school as a positive and welcoming place to work. Thanks so much Deb it's been amazing. Thank you for having me it was a pleasure. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. My team has put together the show notes, which can be found wherever you're listening to this podcast with easy to access links for connecting with Deb as well. If you're keen to get on top of your overall well-being, remember I recently launched a self-paced online course, a roadmap to better well-being which takes participants on a journey of understanding stress from a multidimensional perspective and will guide them through creating their own pathway to well-being through the development of a personalized well-being action plan. Throughout the modules, you'll find videos, short activities and resources with simple, easy-to-implement strategies that you can incorporate into your personal and professional life as well as ideas to share and practice with your students. Learn more and register today at adrianhornby.com.au forward slash wellbeing hyphen course, or you can check out the show notes for quick access today. Thanks so much for listening to Well-Led Schools. I look forward to connecting with you at adrianhornby.com.au. Here you can get in contact with me, learn more about my approach and join my mailing list. I'm Adrienne Hornby. Thanks again for your time and stay well.